you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Um, if you don't, the scripture is printed in your bulletin on page 6. There's a place to take notes on page 7. Continuing in the Lord's Prayer, we're going to read, well, we're going to read the whole thing, focusing on verses 12 and then verse 14 and 15. So friends, listen. This is God's word. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is God's Word. And so Jesus has been teaching us how to pray. He's teaching us how to pray, and in the second half of this prayer, he's teaching us how to pray for our needs. Right? Last week, Jesus taught us to pray for our food. And today, what we're going to see is that Jesus teaches us to pray for forgiveness. And again, I think that the pattern here that we're seeing, we're getting Jesus' outline for how he thinks about our lives. And what Jesus is saying here is, after you've been strengthened by God with food, your next greatest need is in the area of relationships. Okay, once you've been fed, the greatest need that you have is in the area of relationships. How did he know? Right? How did Jesus know? It's almost like he was human. It's almost like he had relationships of his own. Right? I mean, we all struggle with relationships. We all have trouble. It's interesting because we're created for community. God intended us. He, he, he made human beings so that we would be in relationship with one another. And yet, we hurt the people that we love. And we are hurt by the people who love us. Right? This is part of the reality of life. And then, when things don't get better, right? We, we make efforts to try to fix our relationships, to grow in relationships. And when the things don't get better... We give up. We kind of resign ourselves that things are never, ever going to change. Right? People who have been married 20 years, 30 years, sometimes there's this resignation that, well, I just have to settle for this because it's never, ever going to get any better. Well, Jesus says, you need to take your relationships and bring them into the presence of God. You need to pray about your relationships because God cares. God cares about every relationship that you have. God cares about your marriage. He cares about your dating life. He cares about the work relationships that you have. He cares about your friendships, your, your relationships in your neighborhood. He cares about all these things. And Jesus wants to put into every relationship that you have an ingredient that will change your relationships because it'll change you. Okay, there's an ingredient. It's a secret ingredient, right? And that ingredient is forgiveness. 
An ingredient is forgiveness. Bottom line here with this part of the Lord's Prayer, forgiveness will change your relationships because it will change you. Okay, forgiveness will change your relationships because it will change you. That's what he teaches us here in these verses. And so we're going to look at this in a series of points. Um, first, in prayer, Jesus wants us to understand forgiveness. Okay, he wants us to understand what forgiveness is. I think this is pertinent. We, we really don't understand forgiveness today. I feel like we've lost the concept of forgiveness in our relationships. Um, how many times, how many times has someone apologized to you for something and you have said to them, don't worry about it? Right? Or, or you've said, hey, no worries. No big deal. This is what I hear all the time when I apologize to people. So often we think that forgiveness is, well, look, just ignore it and we'll just move on. Ignore what happened and we'll move on. I think when we respond this way, um, our responses really fail to acknowledge that forgiveness requires suffering. Okay, forgiveness, true forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, the kind of forgiveness that will change your relationships because it'll change you, that kind of forgiveness requires suffering. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, when you get hurt by someone else, you've really got two options. Right? There's two ways that you can respond. You can either respond with vengeance or forgiveness. Right? Vengeance or forgiveness. When you seek vengeance, you seek to make the other person suffer for what they did. Right? We get that. They hurt you, and you want to make sure that they experience that same suffering back with maybe a little bit more, right? Because you didn't deserve it, so. Same, a little bit more. And so you might physically retaliate. You might verbally retaliate. Um, you might talk about them behind your back, behind their back, right? There's lots of different ways that we take vengeance. You know, it's, um, I think it was Shakespeare in Merchant of Venice where he talked about extracting a pound of flesh, Right? That's what you do when you take vengeance. You, you, you want to make sure that this person suffers because they made you suffer. Right? That's what vengeance does. Sometimes it looks really different. It looks like you know, instead of actively um, making them suffer, you, in, you cut yourself off from them. You withdraw from the relationship emotionally. Like You either stop talking or you stop sharing your feelings. You build up a wall. Because you're going to make them know what they did. And you want them to feel the suffering that they've inflicted on you. And this happens all the time. I mean, it really does. In marriages, in dating, in work relationships, this is part, vengeance is something that we are constantly having to, um, we're constantly tempted to take vengeance on other people. So there's a problem with this option, though. Okay, there's a problem um, with taking vengeance, with pursuing the vengeance route. Um, it does make you feel better. Okay, that's the reality. It makes you feel better. You got them back. Okay, now we're clean. Now we're even, right? And getting back at them does feel good. But, but when you take vengeance on someone, you become hardened and bitter. 
okay? You become hardened and bitter. Because what happens is, they've done something to you that's wrong, that's evil, right? They've hurt you. And when you hurt them back, what you've done is that you've actually allowed the evil that they have done to enter into you, and now it's coming out of you. Does that make sense? When you retaliate, when you take vengeance on somebody, you're making a heart decision. You're making a decision to get somebody else back. And now, the evil's not outside of you, it's coming from inside. You follow me? When you do that, it hardens your heart. When you do that, it blackens your heart. It affects you. It affects you. This is what happens when we take vengeance. So the alternative to vengeance is to forgive. It's to forgive, but it's, it's forgiving with an understanding. Like, this is what forgiveness means, okay? If you want to write something down, write this down. Forgiveness means telling someone, I am not going to make you pay for what you've done. That's what it means to forgive. It means I am not going to make you pay for what you've done. You've hurt me. And I'm not going to make you pay for what you've done. Now, I'm not, when, I, when I say that, I'm not talking about legal ramifications. I'm not talking about, uh, uh, about condoning. You know, I'm not talking about any of that. And we've talked about that before. But what I'm saying is that you're making a personal decision that you, as an individual, you are not going to require them to pay for what they've done. Okay? So what is this? In order to do this, to really do this, it means that you're going to have to suffer. Right? Because instead of extracting your retaliation, instead of getting vengeance on them, you're going to have to stay in that place where you've been hurt and not require vengeance. Now, what does this kind of, and, and to do this, it causes you to suffer. So what does this look like? Well, it means not retaliating verbally or physically, right? It can mean not bringing up the past and holding it against somebody every time you feel like you can, you want to hurt them, right? Saying I'm not going to make you pay means I'm not going to carry this around in my back pocket to bring it out whenever I feel like I want to get over on you. If you continue to want the other person to suffer, then you're not forgiving them. And this is why sometimes forgiveness takes time. Like as much as when someone says, will you forgive me, you want to be able to forgive them right away, sometimes it takes time to get to that place. Because it means consciously making a decision. I'm not going to make you pay. It's interesting because Jesus actually wants us to think about this in economic terms. Right? If you look at verse 12, Jesus actually says, he teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it's interesting, it's almost like Jesus really wants us to understand this. And so he gives us an illustration, because we all tune in when Jesus talks about money. Right? We all can connect, because money is such a big part of our lives, we can understand this. And so 
um, so Jesus uses this monetary term to illustrate it. Think about, you know, give a mortgage on a home. Okay? Then that means that you owe a debt to the bank. Right? You own your home, kind of. Right? You own the right to pay for your home is really what it is. But the bank owns the home. Right? The bank owns the home and you're paying off your debt. Now, if you get to a place where you can't pay your debt, right, where you can't afford the mortgage anymore, well, someone has to pay it. Right? And you know, I think what we've seen over the last few years, it's not so much anymore, but you know, in, in this, either, the, either you have to pay it, and if you can't, either the bank has to pay the debt or, or the government has to pay the debt. Right? And so, but the debt is there, and you can't just forgive the debt without, it, it, the debt just can't go away. Like, in order for the debt to be forgiven, someone has to suffer the loss. Right? If you can't pay the debt, then either the bank has to pay and take, take it on the chin, or the government has to pay, and then taxpayers take it on the chin. And so, um, the point is that if the bank is going to say, look, I'm going to forgive this debt, or if the bank has to rewrite the loan situation on it, the bank has to suffer in order to forgive the debt. So, that makes sense. So when we say, if somebody apologizes to us, and we say, look, no worries, don't worry about it, it's no big deal, that can actually be a lie. Like, there are times where it really isn't a big deal, and we just move on. But there are times when we say that, and we're really lying. More appropriate, it would be to say, when someone apologizes to you, it would be more appropriate to say, look, I forgive you. I forgive you. When you say, I forgive you, you're saying, okay, look, let's be honest. What you did hurt. You did something to me that hurt. What you said, it hurt. What you did made me feel like you don't care, like you don't appreciate me. And it hurt. But I'm not going to make you pay for what you did. I'm not going to make you suffer for what you did. And so I think we would be healthier as human beings if we were to use that language. Just to be able to say when someone apologizes, if you're ready to do that, to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. That's what Jesus is teaching us to do because Jesus knows that this is best for relationships. Because if you can do this, if you can honestly forgive someone else, then you have truly cleared the air. Because you've said, yes, this did hurt. And no, I'm not going to make you pay so it's over. I'm going to forgive the debt. And so we're free. We're clean. And this is the beginning. Like You have to do that in order to get onto the path of reconciliation. Right? Subsequent to forgiveness then becomes um, the offending party having to earn trust back. You know? Because you lose trust uh, when you sin against somebody. You know, and it, takes, it sometimes takes time depending on the amount of pain and the amount of suffering. Um, to be able to earn that trust back. Now what's interesting though is that when you think about this, this is hard. 
it's hard to do this. Like, think about this. The idea, how could we possibly say, I'm going to be, I'm willing to pay the price that your sin deserves. But that's not fair. I mean, there are people who, man, who feel bad asking for forgiveness. And there's a measure of appropriateness in that. Right? It's kind of interesting to ask for forgiveness means, look, will you please not make me pay for my sin? I hurt you. Can you let me off? Why would somebody be willing? Why would you be willing to forgive someone else? Aren't they just trying to get a free pass? Like, how is that helpful? Wouldn't it be better to make them pay so that they learn and not do it again? And then here Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Well, I think in order to actually offer forgiveness, um, which brings us to our second point, we need to see forgiveness. Okay, once we've understood forgiveness, we recognize just there's a Herculeanness to being able to forgive somebody on a regular basis. Um, in order to do this, to, to actually offer forgiveness, we need to see forgiveness. I think the only way, or the best way, to be able to see forgiveness is to look at Jesus. Okay? It's to look at Jesus. And so I want to give you a couple of portraits of, of Jesus. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells this story. He tells a story of a man who had two sons. Okay? And the younger son approached him one day and he said, Dad, I know you're not dead yet, but can I have my inheritance? I don't want to live with you anymore. In this story, the father agreed, and the son left and completely squandered his inheritance in ways that brought shame to himself and to his family. And then, as he was literally like scrubbing toilets, he was feeding pigs on a farm. Um, which was kind of the lowest of the lows in terms of work, he realized, you know what, my life would be a lot better if I went back home. Um, even if I was a servant back home, that'd be better than what I've got going on right now. And so he begins the trek back home to his father. And then here's what Jesus says in this story, Luke 15, verse 20. It says, but... While he was still a long way off. Right, so here comes the shame-filled, shame-delivering son. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. His father saw him and felt compassion. How many of your fathers would show something and feel something different from compassion? This father felt compassion and ran. Do you know what that looks like in that culture? It's incredibly undignified to run, especially for a man who is older, because you'd have to pick up your robes and run. 
felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Friends, this is the heart of God. God's face is filled with compassionate forgiveness. This is what God looks like. When you come looking for forgiveness... He's already looking for you. He's waiting. He's looking down the road. That same road that you took when you left. He's waiting. He's waiting to run to you. Can you see this? Do you realize that this is the face of God? This is what he's like. I think this image gets even more profound when you understand that this is actually, this story, this is Jesus coming to earth. Okay, Jesus came as God coming down the road from heaven to earth to find you. To embrace you. To kiss you. To make you his son, his daughter. I think it's interesting because Jesus here in our passage in Matthew 6, he's teaching us to pray for forgiveness. He shows us this amazing image of forgiveness. And I know that while Jesus is telling this story, what he's not telling us, what he's not telling us in this story is just how costly this forgiveness is. The forgiveness is free for his son. But Jesus knows that in order to forgive, Jesus would have to die. Okay? Jesus died on the cross because God made a willful decision that you will not have to pay for your sins. God made a conscious decision and he said, I am not going to make you suffer for your sins. And in order for God to do that, right, in order for God to do that, he's got to absorb the punishment. He's got to take the pain and the suffering. Right? In the same way it works with human relationships, 
It works with divine relationships. God is our benevolent creator, and God's heart is broken when we sin. When we sin, we're turning our back on God. We're saying, God, we don't want you. We don't want your ways. We want all of your blessings, but we don't want to deal with you. That breaks God's heart. And yet God made a conscious decision to come in Jesus Christ so that you won't have to suffer for your sins. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. Tim Keller said it well. He said, the currency of forgiveness is blood, sweat, tears, and thorns. God couldn't just say, I forgive you any, any more than any of us can. Forgiveness for God means that God would have to suffer. And Jesus knew this. In the midst of his worst suffering, right? Jesus had been arrested. He had been mocked, beaten, scourged, tormented, abused, and then nailed to a cross. And on the cross, I want you to see Jesus. Okay, the only way you'll ever get to a place where you can forgive others is if you can see Jesus. Okay, you need to see Jesus on the cross. This is what he said. Luke 23, verses 33 and 34. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And Jesus said, while hanging on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On the cross, Jesus was still saying, I'm not going to make you pay for what you've done. I'm not going to make you pay for what you've done. This is Jesus suffering. God's wrath being poured out on him, enduring the weight of the sin of the world. And this is how he responds. Friends, he was there for you. Forgive them. You can put your name here. Jesus knows that there are times when you know what you're doing and you do it anyways. Jesus knows there's times when you don't know what you're doing. And Jesus hung on the cross so that you could be forgiven. Friends, Jesus teaches us to pray this prayer, this part of the prayer, because he wants us to see this God every single day. 
He wants you to come face to face and see God running down the road to embrace you. So he teaches you to pray. Father, forgive us our debts. Because Jesus Jesus isn't morbidly introspective. Jesus doesn't harp on your sin because he's mean. Jesus wants you to have this experience fresh and new every morning. Forgiveness changes your relationships because it changes you. And this is God looking you in the eye and saying, I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son to suffer so that you won't have to. So Jesus wants you to understand forgiveness. He also wants you to see forgiveness. Our third point is that in prayer, Jesus also wants us to show forgiveness. So you see it first, and that's what enables you to show forgiveness to others. You have friends in this church. You have friends that are outside the church who need to see this God. They have a very different view of who God is. They need to see this God running down the road. They need to see this God on the cross. God wants you to show them his face. The only way to do that is if you can see him like this. The Bible says that when we see Jesus with unveiled face, we become like him. He transforms us from one level of glory to the next. His light radiates into us. We begin to shine. Look at the word as in verse 12. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In verses 14 and 15, it's singled out after the prayer. It's so interesting, isn't it? After this prayer that spans like all of time and all of life, Jesus repeats and expands on this particular petition, this particular section on forgiveness. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now this might strike you as a little bit odd. I mean, does this mean that we earn God's forgiveness? Right? Is that how it works? That we've got to forgive others so that God will forgive us? No. No. This is one of those places where Jesus is describing the reality of how life works. Okay, this is kind of how life works. He says, um, forgiveness, it's actually, it's like this. It's like a snorkel. Um, I'm going to have... Uh, one of our own, Ian Kilpatrick, come up. Ian's a Navy SEAL, so he's no, uh, he's no stranger to masks and snorkels. This actually belongs to him. 
He's going to put this on for us. Perfect. All right. So there's Ian. Um, if you all have put a snorkel on before and done this where you stick your face under the water, um, the snorkel lets you do two things, right? <coughs> two things. What are they? Okay, they let you breathe in. What else? They let you breathe out, right? Pretty simple. You breathe in, you breathe out through the same tube, okay? This one tube gives you life when you're wearing it because it does these two things. You breathe in, you breathe out. If this tube couldn't function, you would die. Right? What Jesus is saying here is that forgiveness, this petition on forgiveness, forgiveness flows into you from God and it flows out of you to others through the same tube. That's what Jesus is saying. Forgiveness flows into you from God and out of you to others through this same tube. So refusing to forgive someone else is cutting off the tube. You jam something in there, you put duct tape on it, you hold it shut, right? If you refuse to forgive somebody, you're jamming something in there, right? After a while, what Jesus is saying here is, it's not that, okay, hey, if you, forgive, if you don't forgive somebody, if they hurt you and you're not willing to forgive somebody, it's not that, well, all right, Gary, between me and you, things are bad, but I'm okay with God. This verse says no. If things aren't good between Gary and me, then I don't just have a problem with Gary. I have a problem with God. If forgiveness isn't flowing out of me, I am covering this up, and I'm cutting off my source of life. Does that make sense? And so Jesus is wanting us to understand this is exactly what he's saying. If you, if you don't forgive others their trespasses, if you cut yourself off here, you will not experience the forgiveness of God. So thank you. Appreciate it. This is uh, Ian and Jackie's actually last Sunday, so make sure that you say farewell to them. Um, this is a big deal. This, to, to refuse to forgive someone else is a big deal. Jesus actually makes it even more pronounced later in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 18, he says this. He says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. It's a lot of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Yeah, right. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him that debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. 
not so much money. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And then Jesus said, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Just real quick on the talents and the denarii. 10,000 talents is 150 years wages. I mean, there's a lot of detail here. If you make minimum wage, 150 years is $2,250,000,000. Okay, that's what the servant owed the king. Forgiven. $2 billion debt forgiven. 100 denarii? Days wa- it's, it's 100 days wage. Every day you make 80 bucks. If you're a minimum wage, $8 an hour. So 100 days wages is $8,000. Not chump change, but compared to two billion. And how can you forgive other people? You've got to see Jesus on the cross, forgiving the debt of sin that you owe. It puts it into perspective, friends. The people who have sinned against you, maybe it's 8,000, maybe it's 15,000, maybe it's 25,000. Some of you have really been hurt. And so this is not trying to minimize the amount of pain that you've endured. But when it comes to forgiveness, the way that you can forgive others is by seeing Jesus and understanding what your sin cost him. And when you see him on the cross dying for you, that enables you to get to a place where you can look at someone else and say, I'm not going to make you pay for what you've done. Now this doesn't mean I'm going to continue to let you do this to me again. Okay, we're not talking about enabling, we're not talking about condoning, we're not talking about consequences. We're talking about his forgiveness. When you can understand what Jesus has done to forgive your debt, and you can let people go and not carry around the anger and the bitterness and the frustration, friends, it changes you. It changes everything about you. And it will affect every relationship that you have. Who do you need to forgive? Right now, who is unforgiven in your heart?
What do you need to let go of? And again, it doesn't mean that you're going to be reconciled necessarily. Trust and reconciliation, that's something that needs to be earned back. But who do you need to say today in your heart, I'm no longer going to make them pay for what they've done? Let's pray together. Father, to think that we can close our eyes and look up, as it were, into heaven and to see Jesus running down the road for us. To think that Jesus would come running down the road in joyous celebration. Knowing that the forgiveness that he offered was going to send him to the cross. God, thank you for who you are. Father, thank you for who you are. we would not be able to produce this image of you unless you revealed yourself like this. And I pray, God, that you would help us to gaze at Jesus. That this picture of you, this image of you, running down the road to us, forgiving us on the cross, that these images would forever be emblazoned in our hearts and minds. God, when we think about you this way, we are different. Life is different. Our relationships are different. There is a power and a love and a compassion that wells up in us, God. And as you help us to see you this way, We pray that you would help us to show that you are this way. Help us to show forgiveness to others. Lord, I pray too that you would help those of us who have really complicated situations. Help us to come together in our community groups this week, uh, in in small groups and relationships over lunch today, at dinner tonight, God, be able to talk about um, our situation so that we can know what's the best way to show forgiveness in our complicated situations. But God, thank you for this image of Jesus. Thank you that it sustains us and strengthens us. Lord, forgive us our debts because we're the ones who want to show your forgiveness to the world. And we need your forgiveness. The forgiving strength that comes from you in order to be able to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.